All right. So if you'll turn with me. I'm just kidding. I'm not preaching. I'm just introducing him. So I was told to introduce my dad, and I was kind of thinking about how I was going to do that. And I saw the basketball hoover right there. And it reminded me of a funny story that I have about my dad. So when I was little, for Christmas one year, I got a basketball hoop thing. And me and my dad had to put it together. So he was getting all frustrated, and we finally thought we got it. But it turned out that we had the hoop on upside down. <laughs> so that's why I'm so bad at basketball. But that's just the way my dad is. He, he isn't the type of guy who could put everything together. Like, I think my mom every year tries to get his stuff harder and harder to put together just to be mean. Because by the end, we'll come out of the room, we put it together in the garage, and I'll come out with a black eye, and I'm just like... It's all put together now, but that's just how he is. But it, it, he doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him that he's not good at that because he has people he could go to who are. Because, like, I don't know, I just kind of thought of this. It's like, you know that saying, uh, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. Well, my dad's got to figure it out. Be the fisherman's pastor and you'll get fish forever, you know? <laughs> But that's, a, that's the type of stuff that my dad teaches me, you know. I'm just, I'm really proud of my dad because, like, he isn't just a good leader for me. Like, he helps me out with stuff all the time, but I just see how he does stuff for you guys. And you guys are lucky to have my dad as your pastor. I'm just saying. Because he, I, I don't know anyone else who could go through what he goes through and still handle it the way he does. Like, you guys are lucky you don't have my mom. She would. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. But I'm really proud of my dad. And I, I think a lot of us, we can take stuff from our fathers that we like and stuff we don't and use it. But for my dad, there's really not that much that I take that I don't like. There's a lot of stuff that I'm going to use. I want to be a lot like my dad, minus the baldness. That's about it. But I'm really proud of him, and I think you guys are lucky to have him, so can you give it up for my dad, please? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Uh, sit down, sit down, sit down. All glory to God. God the Father. I'm blessed. Listen, folks, I just feel blessed. I'm blessed to have three of the most amazing children uh, a, a dad could ever hope for and, and uh, a loving, supportive wife in Karen that keeps me in line, keeps me on track. So, um, you know... Behind every good man is, is a, a good woman, I believe, and I have one of the best. I really do. And uh, this head wouldn't turn without that neck right there. So thank God. Amen. We're all blessed, really. Dad, if you'll take inventory today, you'll find that you're very blessed. You're very blessed. With every loss that may have come your way and every difficulty around the bend you'll still see you're blessed. How many dads would just wave at me today and say, I'm blessed? Come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. You're blessed. 
You're blessed. I want you to open your Bible. God has a word for us today, and I want you to hear it. Acts chapter 9. So nice to have the Lutz with us here all the way from Indiana. Pastor Dave's parents, Gary and Connie Lutz, and Pastor Dave's brother. I believe, Matt, this is probably your first time here, so I'm going to have you stand and wave to everybody so they'll see you're the better looking of the two. Pastor Dave's better looking brother came on this trip. Seriously, Matt, we're, we're happy to have you and your parents here with us. And I'm just praying that God gives you a really, really awesome time with Pastor, Pastor Dave and Sonny and Reagan. And I want to say to you, Mom and Dad, good job. You have, you have raised an amazing young man. And I couldn't be prouder if he was my blood. And I'm telling you, Pastor Dave, you, you make me so proud. And um, I, I've seen you as a, a punk kid, and now I see you as a punk youth pastor. No, 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 no. I, I, love, I love Pastor Dave and Sonny and Reagan so dearly. And thank you for letting them go, so to speak, and letting, letting God use them all the way in this strange place called California. Amen. I see it's going to be one of those days. Acts chapter 9. Follow along with me. This is lengthy, but you'll, you'll appreciate this when we get done today. Then Saul, verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, don't you love that, any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What a good question for you to ask today, Dad, by the way. Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You see, sometimes God just says, wait, I'm not ready to tell you quite yet, but if you obey me and let me lead you, I will ultimately tell you what I want you to do. And the men who journeyed with Saul, they stood speechless, and why not? They heard a voice, but they saw no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. He was struck with blindness. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there for three days without sight and didn't eat, nor did he drink. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus whose name was Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision 
he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answers back to God and says, Lord, I've heard about this man, (laughs) how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Ananias is getting a little bit nervous at this point. And verse 14, here where I live, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name and put them in prison. But the Lord said back to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I think a lot of people want to take that verse out about suffering, but I want you to know it's right there in God's Word. And not only did it apply that day, I do believe it applies to this day. We will have to suffer a thing or two as well for the name of Christ. Let me read on. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately. Somebody say immediately. Immediately Immediately the Bible tells us there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he he arose and he was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And here it is again, immediately, say it one more time, immediately Saul preached. Saul preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is in fact the son of God. And all who heard this were amazed and said, is this not the one who destroyed those who called on the name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose? so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. A little confusing here, isn't it? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask God that you captivate us and speak to us and accomplish what you have intended to accomplish today. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody, and say amen. Amen. Today we continue in a really, really awesome series entitled Games People Play. My favorite game is Monopoly. My favorite game is chess. My favorite game is Risk. My favorite game is Hide and Go Seek. Games people play Night or day They're just not matching What they should do Keeps me feeling There we go. Not that I need a microphone. We're going to talk about a little basketball today. We're going to play a little basketball. Any basketball fans out there in the house? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite team? Lakers? Pacers? 
I heard the Pacers, Indiana all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else have a favorite team? Oh, come on now. New York Knicks. Any favorite players? Kobe. What's your favorite favorite player? Any Spurs fans out there? Any Heat fans out there? Anybody really care? <laughs> How many going to watch the game tonight? A few people going to watch the game. That's all right. We got some we got some basketball fans. How about any basketball players? Anybody like to play? Any dads like to play? You like to play, Louie? Come here and prove it. Come here, Louie. Elliot. Elliot. Give me that ball. Who else would like to go one-on-one here with Louie for a second? Another dad? I need another dad. Oh, 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 oh. I'll take the first dad that can get up here and, and compete with Louie real quick. Uh-oh, uh-oh. All right. So you ever been to the arcade? You know, they got the little balls, and you see how many you can get in 60 seconds? Well, we're going to see if you can, how many you can get in 60 seconds. Now, I'm not really very good, so don't laugh at me. My kids laugh at me, but I did all right in that first service. Uncle Bill, come here and help, help me a minute. Show us how to do this. I'm no good. I'm just telling you, I'm no good. I can't do it. Come here, Uncle Bill, help me. Wouldn't you know the first service, I just sunk the first one and I quit. Like I knew what I was doing. Come on, Uncle Bill. All right, all right, all right, all right. Come here, Louie. So we're going to feed you the balls, and you just try to sink as many as you can in 60 seconds. Now, I've got a really great prize for whoever wins this. Can you help cheer on Louie real quick? On your mark, get set, go. There's one. You guys help count it, all right? We got one. There's two. Come on, Louie. There's three. Come on, 30 seconds. Four. Five. Five. You got 20 seconds. Seven, six, five, four, one. Oh, we're going to give it to you. That's nine. That's hard to beat right there. Hey, right, stand right here. I think I counted nine. Is that right? Got nine. Let me just say, he already holds the record because the first two, they didn't do so well. 
We won't talk about that, Mike. I mean, uh... Joe got 11? I thought he had seven. Well, there we go. You're in second place. Come here, Pete. Let's see what you can do. Let's reset that clock. We're going to reset the clock. Come on and cheer Pete on, everybody. On your mark, get set, go. Come on, everybody. For the winner. Thank you, Louis. Good job, man. Happy Father's Day. I want you to watch this video and we'll get into the word. know who that is? That's Jeremy Lin. You've just observed what was called at the time Lin Sanity. Y'all remember that? Nobody even knew who Jeremy Lin really was, but he had an opportunity to play the, play the game, to get in the game and play ball. Jeremy Lin skyrocketed to fame after leading his team to a victory February 4th in 2012. His jersey was the top-selling item on the NBA market just weeks later. His name was placed on basketballs, shoes, hats, toys, you name it. He was the it guy for a window of time. He was one of the most popular players of that entire season. Let me tell you a little bit about Jeremy Lin. Lin is a Harvard graduate, and while at Harvard, he led their college basketball team to a record 21 wins. Because of his stellar performance, he was able to enter the NBA and began to fulfill his dreams to be a professional basketball player. The only problem, 
The NBA is filled with some of the best basketball players in the nation. Jeremy Lin was just one of many, and he really wasn't the top shelf when it came to NBA status. Most teams weren't all that impressed with him. He was with the Dallas Mavericks for a little while. They traded him to the Golden State Warriors. He was there for a short time, was traded to the Houston Rockets, and eventually he was passed on to the New York Knicks. That was where he was playing and led the team to victory. But even the Knicks coach, coach wasn't all too sure. Uh, let, me, let me give you a quote from the Knicks coach. He said, I, I didn't know if he could play defense. I didn't think he could shoot well enough, and I didn't think he could go up and finish. He can't finish, can't shoot, can't play defense. I like his speed, but I don't know. Because of these doubts, the Knicks were planning to trade Jeremy Lin for another player on February the 10th. But then, just six days before that deadline came February 4th. The Knicks were playing the New Jersey Nets. Two of their best players were injured, and so from the get-go of that particular game, they weren't playing. But even if they were playing, they were doing a terrible job. They were a terrible team, is what they were saying. They'd lost far more games than they had won. The point guard became injured in this particular game, and so the coach reluctantly put Lynn in. The world took notice, and the rest as they say, is history. Lynn led the Knicks to a 99-92 victory that day, and he outplayed the all-star guard, Darren Williams. He scored 25 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. Jeremy Lynn went on to lead the Knicks to victory in the next 6 games that season and became an overnight sensation. But before February 4th, 2012, not very many believed in Lynn. Not on that level. Three teams had already traded him. He was one week away from being traded again. Nobody wanted Lynn because they didn't see his true potential. That is, until he got to play. When Jeremy Lynn got his chance to get in the game. Somebody say, get in the game. Come on and look at somebody close to you and encourage them. Say, get in the game. It's time to get in the game. When Jeremy Lin got his chance to get in the game, he proved his true potential and everything changed that day. I want us to look at two New Testament players, if you will. Saul... Of course, we all know Saul. It's the same Saul that later became Paul. This Paul would revolutionize the early church. Paul, the anointed apostle. Paul, the great missionary man. Paul, the one who performed powerful miracles, wrote most of the New Testament. Paul, the all-star. Paul was the Kobe Bryant the Shaquille O'Neal, the Magic Johnson, the Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. He was the Tim Duncan. Everybody knows this player. But what about Ananias? 
Anybody know much about Ananias? This is not the same one who was killed because of lying to the Holy Spirit. That Ananias and his wife Sapphira were already dead. This is a different man who happened to have the same name, Ananias. Ananias, nondescript, no mention of family or personal life. The only time that he's ever mentioned in Scripture is here in Acts chapter 9. Ananias, ordinary, unimpressive really, and almost missed his chance to get in the game and play ball. Ananias almost missed a God moment. But the coach called for Ananias and he said, today's the day I want to use you. Get in the game. Ananias was used greatly in the shaping and making of Saul, who later became Paul, one of the most powerful men of God to ever walk the face of the earth. When God called Ananias, he was ready. And he proved his true potential. And what others maybe didn't see, God did see. Dad, I believe that God has put this message on my heart for you. I pray that all in the room will glean from this. But I have a message for dads today. My message for you is get in the game. But before you do, let me, let me give you four things that I want you to know that will help you to get in the game. Jot down these four things. Number one, it's imperative that you are spiritually ready. Be spiritually ready. Look at verse number 10 of our text. It says, now there was a certain what? He's described as a certain disciple that lived in Damascus whose name was Ananias. This is important because a disciple is, is, is telling us something here. It's telling us that Ananias already made up his mind that he was going to follow Jesus. He had already heard about Jesus. He already made his decision that he was going to follow Christ. And so, because of his, his decision to follow Christ, he had become a disciple of Christ. Dad, the best thing you could ever do for your kids is make a decision today that you will follow Christ, not only today, but for the rest of your life, and become a disciple of Jesus. Gain the reputation. Oh, he's the Christian one. And they can put up the air quotes all day long. You wear it like a badge. Don't you be covert and under the radar. Let everybody know that you're a follower of Christ. Let the whole town know of your reputation as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You've got to be spiritually ready. You want to get in the game? You want to play ball? You want God to use you powerfully? It's time to be ready spiritually for what God might do. He had a reputation as a, as a disciple. And as a disciple, he had visions. The scripture goes on to tell us in verse 10, And to him the Lord said in a vision... Are you spiritually aware, Dad? Are you spiritually sensitive? Are you in tune 
with what the Spirit of God wants to say, what the Spirit of God wants to do, where the Spirit of God wants to lead. In order to to get in the game and be used of God, you've got to be ready spiritually. And this means a familiarity with the things of the Spirit. He was used by the Spirit and in the gifts of the Spirit, I believe. Can God use you in an instant, in a moment, no matter where you are? Are you sensitive to spiritual matters and the moving of the Holy Spirit? I found myself in a hospital room this past week. Ryan's grandfather, about 16, 17 days now, I don't know, something like that, I'm sure you know, has languished in in a coma. And the doctors have said that they've done all that they can do and they're recommending that the family take him off of life support. And so this family met with me and I immediately knew what the Spirit of God was saying. I, I knew immediately what God's prompting was. God's prompting was to encourage them to let him go and release him into his hands. How many believe that God can still breathe life into someone even though the doctors have done all that they can do? How many also believe that God knows the exact time we're to leave this earth and also start our eternal living? And how many are comfortable either way? So it was an easy counsel for me, Ryan, with your mom and dad. Then they invited me over to the room to pray for Grandpa. That's, that's a hard day, Cindy. That's a hard day when you've got to counsel with folks who are going to unplug machines that are keeping someone they love breathing and a heart beating. But with God, it was filled with peace. And I began to encourage this family, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit flooded this room. It was so powerful. It was palpable. I wish we could have seen, almost as as smoke rolls in, see the Holy Spirit enter, but you could feel Him enter. And I said to the whole family, God is here. God is in this room. And they all knew it. And we had peace in releasing Him to God. Dad, do you have sensitivity to the Spirit when the Spirit comes into the room? When the Spirit is prompting you to say something to someone? It's not just for pastors. It's for dads. It's for you, wherever you are. You want to get in the game? You want to be used by God? You've got to ready yourself spiritually, and you've got to do it now. Now's the time, Dad. Get yourself ready spiritually. The days of the women leading should be over. I don't mind women leading. I thank God for the women who do lead, but I think the men ought to lead as well. My wife is a strong leader in her own right, but she will be the first to say, according to Scripture, I should be the head of the household, and I should be leading. Dad, it is time. It is overtime. It is past due. Get yourself spiritually ready. He had visions. He heard the Lord's voice. God said to him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias knew that that was God's voice. Do you even hear God speaking, Dad? Are you listening for the Lord to speak? 
God will speak. God desires to speak, and he desires to speak to us every day. God, would you give the dads ears. Give us ears that will hear your voice. Don't fill, fill your mind and your spirit with so much stuff and a lot of it no good that you can't hear the voice of God anymore, Dad. It's time for the filter to come on. It's time to get rid of some stuff out of your life and to put on your spiritual ears and hear what God would say. And not only did Ananias have ears to hear what the Lord said, Ananias spoke back to God. He said, Lord, here am I. Here am I. What do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? Where do you want to lead me? Where do you want to guide me? Dad, it's time for us to just throw up our hands and say, God, I'm here. You know all about me. You know my flaws. Elliot said some things today that is so true. I don't have a lot of, a lot of strengths, but I found out something. I don't have to have strength in every area. I find my strength in God. And God has a way of making up the difference. And he'll put people in my life that have ability and talent and strengths that I don't have. So I don't have to be Mr. Fix-It when I have somebody like Brent Fry that can do things for me. And I'm one phone call away. Stacy Trotter, he could take anything and make something out of it. I love that. I don't have that ability. Maybe I do and I, I just, I don't care to have that ability. Maybe I should say it like that. And it's all good. It's all right. I'm comfortable in my own skin because I have found my identity in Christ Jesus. I found out who I am in Christ. Be spiritually ready. And that has to happen now because when the coach says, come on, Creighton, it's your time. It's your time to play. It's your time to get in the game. You don't have time to say, coach, I'll be right back. I got to go work out. Get yourself to the gym now. Get yourself to the gym now. Discipline yourself, Dad, right now and every day. Study His Word. Secure a time of prayer. Spend time in praise and in worship. And then repeat. Do it again. Study God's Word. Secure a prayer time. Spend time in praise and in worship. And then do that again. Every day that God gives you breath, Dad, you ought to be reading the Word of God. You ought to be praying. And you ought to be giving God thanks and praise. This is something daily that we should do. And let no one take that from us. My wife doesn't take that from me. My children don't take that from me. My pastors, my staff don't take that from me. That is my time with God. And so when God says, I need you in the hospital right now, I need you to go, there's an emergency, I'm ready. I don't have time to go back and get spiritually fit. I've got to do that day by day by day by day. Come on, Dad. Get in the game. Get in the game. Number two, not only should we be spiritually ready, we've got to be physically willing. See, there's plenty of dads that are spiritually ready, but they're not physically willing. You see, what I'm trying to say here, God could have done what he wanted to do to Saul any number of ways. I mean, he, he dispatched angels all throughout Scripture, and a lot of times angels were the messenger 
And God did supernatural things all throughout Scripture. So God could have appeared to Saul through an angel. He could have spoke through an animal. I mean, you, you name it. God's very creative. But he chose a man. He chose a man with insecurities, with flaws, with who knows what. We don't know a lot about him. But I know he's a human. I know he's a man. And so there's some similarities that all men have. And he chose Ananias. But Ananias had to be physically willing. God used Ananias' physical body in three ways. Jot these down. He first of all used his feet. Look at verse number 11. God said, arise and go. Dad, look at me. I want all the dad's eyeballs for a minute. Dad, it's time to get off the bench. You can't accomplish what God wants you to to accomplish by sitting on the bench and letting everybody else do it. It's time to arise and go. Ananias had to actually move his feet. He actually had to go somewhere. He had to be willing to travel by foot to where God was leading him. God wants to do the same with you. Do you believe that God would lead your footsteps? That every step that you take could be ordered by the Lord? I believe it with all of my heart. But Dad, you've got to be willing to get in the game. You've got to be willing to be used by God. He told him, arise and go. And, And then God led Ananias in clear detail. You may not know exactly what God wants to do, but if you're just a willing vessel and you say, Lord, I'm going to step out, and you just keep on walking, you watch and see God guide you and God lead you and gently uh, move you to where he wants you to be. I never thought for a million years, Pastor Dave, that I would be in this crazy place called Southern California with you, but here we are because we were just willing for God to use us and God to lead us. We had to move our feet, though. We had to be physically willing or else I would have stayed in Indiana. There's just security there. Or Springfield. Karen says, no. God forbid. I'm just saying, we we have our security blankets, don't we? We're like Linus. Our family's our security blanket. Our our job is our security blanket. Our, Our part of the country, whatever it is. You have to be willing to let go and actually start moving your feet and let God use you and get let God lead you where he wants to lead you and he will do it in detail. He said, Ananias, arise and go. You care if I preach this today? He said, arise, go to a street called straight. Look at the detail that God is giving him. Arise, go to a street called straight and inquire at the house of Judah. He led him to the exact house. He told him exactly what he wanted him to do. I want to use you in this way. I want you to say this. Don't be afraid, dad. Just be willing for God to move your feet. Come on, dad, stomp a little bit right where you are. Just all the dads for a minute. Come on, just say, God, I'm willing. God, I'm willing for you to lead my steps, for you to guide me and take me where you want to take me. I love Psalm 37, 23. It says that the steps of a good man, that's you, Dad, the steps of a good dad, the steps of a good man, they're ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The second physical way that God used him, he used his hands. I'm talking to you a moment about being physically willing. Dad, would you just take a moment and look at your hands? 
Look at your hands, Robert. I would dare say yours are probably calloused. Here's a construction guy right over here. He works in construction every day. There's some mechanics around. I'd say, John, you probably have some scars on yours. You, you've been working in, in, in glass for so many years. I can't imagine you didn't get cut from time to time. You probably have some scars on your hand. Maybe you've got oil underneath your fingertips there, Dad, underneath your fingernails. Look at your hands, Dad. God wants to use your hands. Ananias, verse 17, went his way. He entered the house as God told him to, and look what it says. He laid hands on Saul. And immediately, Saul began to see again. I want you to think for a moment, Dad, how many blind people you see every day that you encounter every day. Oh, they may not be physically blind, but I promise you they're spiritually blind. And we're the hands of Christ. (laughs) That's something else. That's something else. That the Spirit of God would fill us, and then we would go and lay hands on someone, and they they would be saved, they would be healed, they would be restored... I've laid hands on most everybody in the room, I suppose. Lots of people I've been able to lay hands on, and I give God all thanks and glory. God could do it in another way. He could just say it to you. But there's something about laying hands on on people in the name of the Lord. It may be your hands that reach out, not just mine, to those who are sick and they receive healing. Suppose, Dad, it's your hands that provide for someone who's hungry. Are you willing to avail your physical body to God and your hands? Dad, I want you to lift your hands again. Come on, dads, all the dads in the house. Lift your hands a moment. Father, I pray for every dad that's lifting their hands right now. Fill their hands with compassion and love and strength. Use their hands, God, to reach out to the lost, to the hurting, and to the confused. In Jesus' name. He used Ananias' physical body. He used his feet. He used his hands. He used one more part of his body here. He used his voice. They will uh, go ahead. uh, Get me to the next scripture, please. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on Saul, and he said... Dad, you've got to open your mouth. <laughs> you've got to open your mouth. And sometimes you won't even know what to say. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but you're kind of feeling God push you and press you a little bit to say something. I know, Floyd, you and Debbie led our EE program for a number of years, and what a great, great ministry, evangelism, explosion. And they would go door to door... They'd do cold calls, I think is what they called it. They'd just knock on somebody's door. Now, you got the chance of getting your finger shut in the door. You get it shut on your nose. You get cussed out. Any number of things. Or they might say, well, come on in. And I know many times they were able to lead folks to the Lord. But there's no way, Floyd, that you could script everything that you were going to say. 
you had to rely on the Lord to use your voice, your tongue, your lips, your words. Dad, just put your hand on your mouth. I'm going to pray for you right quick, for your, for your voice, for your lips, for the words that will be formulated. Hallelujah, God. We are willing. We lay our hands on our, our, on our face, on our mouth. This represents words, God. We ask you to use our words, Lord. Use us, God, to speak words of hope and healing, words of love and liberty. Speak through us, God. Number three, I'm trying to prepare you now to get in the game. You've got to be spiritually ready, physically willing, and this is critical. Don't offer excuses. You see, Ananias almost missed his opportunity because he had a couple of excuses. He said in verse number 13, uh, Lord, <laughs> I've heard about this man. This is a bad boy. I've heard about this man, he, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. God, he's mean, he's dangerous, he kills people. Ananias goes on, there's more. He says, and, and where I live right here, he has authority to bind all who call on your name. So he already had authority from the, from the chief priest. If you find anybody who's a follower of Christ, you can go ahead and handcuff him and you can put him in prison. Can you imagine? So Ananias is kind of having this conversation with God. Are you sure, Lord, that you're calling me to somebody like this? You're calling me to something like this? It's very dangerous for me. So he's offering these excuses to God. He has a reputation. I could be in prison. He has authority over me. But when Ananias said no, God said go. When Ananias said how, God said now. Oh, we've got our own set of excuses, and they're, they're pretty good too. Number one, I don't have the time. Anybody ever use that? Maybe you won't even admit to it today. But your actions actually will say it for you. I don't have the time. I want to tell you today, a person will find time for what's important to them. If you want to watch TV, you make time to watch TV. See, this is how we'll find time. We make time. You want, if you're hungry, I promise you, you're going to make time to eat. They, none of us is going to do without food today unless God leads us to fast. But I'm telling you right now, I'm going to eat me a steak today sometime. Mm, it's Father's Day. If you're tired, you make time to sleep. In other words, if you say, I don't have time, what you're really saying is, I don't want to, that's not really important enough to me, or I really just don't care about that. Here's another excuse. I, I'm too young. I, I'm too young. I'm too spiritually young, spiritually or physically young. A new convert was baptized into Christ. And shortly after, a Christian teacher asked him, What have you done for Christ since you believed? The young man replied, Oh, oh I'm just a learner. Well, said the teacher, When you light a candle, do you light it to make the candle more comfortable or to have it give off light? 
He replied, well, to give off light. Do you expect it to give light after it is half burned or when you first light it? He replied, as soon as I light it, very well, said the teacher, go thou and do likewise, begin at once. You've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been bought with a price, you've been rescued from darkness. It is time right now to get in the game and do what God has called you to do. I'm too young. How about this one? I'm too old. I've already served. I'm ready to just sit back and relax. I've already done my time. They make it sound like it's jail time, don't they? Listen, it's okay to get back and relax and rest, but good players ultimately always get back in the game and they do what they can for the cause of Christ. You're not too old. You are probably more seasoned and have more wisdom and God could use you more effectively right where you are at the age you are than any other time in your life. Get in the game, Dad. No more excuses. No more excuses. Come on, look at somebody and tell them no more excuses. No more excuses. Excuses have never worked with God. Moses stuttered. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Rahab was a harlot. Jeremiah battled depression. Gideon had an inferiority complex. Naomi was a widow. Deborah was a woman. Samson was a long-haired hippie freak. The apostle John was self-righteous. John the Baptist ate locusts. Timothy had ulcers. Thomas doubted God. Martha was a worrywart. Zacchaeus was short and had sticky fingers. Peter was a foul-mouthed hothead with anger issues. And Lazarus was dead. No more excuses. No more excuses. You can't get a better excuse than I was dead, can you? I'm sorry, God. I was dead for four days. That's a pretty good excuse right there. But God said to Lazarus, come forth. I still got something for you to do. And it's time for you to get in the game and play ball. Hallelujah. Number four, and jot it down. When the coach calls you and it's your time to get in the game, take hold of the ball and play ball. Get in there and do everything that you possibly could do for Jesus. Ananias, listen to me closely. Pastor Moses, come and play something. Ananias was clear and careful that he was going to point it all to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the one that you saw in the vision. Jesus Christ sent me to you. When it's your time to shine, when it's your time to play, make sure that you give God all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It's time to get in the game. It's time to play ball. I can't even dribble a ball very well. But I want you to get my point. It's time, Matt, to get in the game. It's time to play ball. Hallelujah. It's time, Joe. It's time. It's time. With your insecurities, with your, with your failures, with all your mistakes, it's time. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Come on, Dad. Why don't you play ball? Let me have all the dads up here. Come on, Dad. All the dads crowd around the front up here. I have tried to have a little bit of fun with you today. But this is a serious, serious matter. There's so much 
that God wants to do through your life. You ready to play ball? You ready for God to call you to something new, something fresh, something different? Do you think you've got this degree in religion for no reason? Do you think that God led you all the way from Fort Worth, Texas to Southern California for no reason? It's time to play ball. It's time to get in the game. There's a new anointing on you. There's a new calling on you. There's new fruit for you. Hallelujah. You can't sit on the bench any longer. Sitting on the bench is over. What are you almost doing for God? Think about it. What are you almost doing? What are you right next to missing without God pushing you and prompting you into it? Think about it. Ready to play ball? Come on. Come on. It's time. Come on, play ball. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Come on, Dad. Get in the game. Get in the game. Woo! Get in the game. It's time. Get in the game. Get in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready, Dad? Who's counting on you? Who's counting on you? What about your family? Who's counting on you? Who's counting on you? Who's looking for you to play? Who believes in you? Come on, Mike. Get in the game. Derek, come on. Get in the game, my friend. Louie, 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 my chef right here. He's got such unique ability and gifting. He and a team cooked some of the most amazing pasta for Pastor Jim's reception. It was outstanding. Unique, special. And I believe God will lead you to, to these, these customized, hallelujah, there's a customization coming for you, Louie. I really believe that. Customized that only you'll fit into. But you've got to be willing, man. Don't offer any excuses. Get in the game. Get in the game. Come on, my friend. Get in the game. Give this to Elder. Give that to Elder. Here you go, Elder. Pass that right back to me. There you go. Get in the game. Get in the game. Come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. Get in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Come on, Gary. Get in the game, man. Get in the game. Dad, you ready? Ready to get in the game? You're ready to get in the game, aren't you? Yes, sir. Come on. You'll have a testimony unlike anyone of God's healing, of God's faithfulness to see you through a period of cancer. It's not over. If it were over, I would have already done your funeral. But I have not done your funeral. And I'm not making plans to do that. Not until God tells me to. But I don't feel that release. Lift your hands. Come here, dads. Come on, real quick. We're going to pray for Josh right now. We've been praying for healing for this man. And I believe that God is still able. Do I have anybody that believes God could still heal cancer? Oh, come on. I need somebody that believes. My God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that cancer must bow 
to the name of Jesus. Be healed now. Let every cancer cell die. God, recreate living cells now. Brand new, brand new cells full of life and health and healing. And use this for testimony, God, of your love and your grace. Come on, Dad, lift your hands. Everyone standing and stretch your hands toward our fathers. Get in the game. Dad, I want you to lift your hands. A wave of anointing is coming on you now. That's right. Tell God, tell the Father, God, I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord. Are you willing for God to use you right where you are? With your insecurities, with your successes and your failures? God, I pray for the men in this house, the dads in this house. And I pray that now you fill them to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And that you would use them, God, right where they are. Right where they are. Use them, God, to make a difference in the world. To be light in darkness. To be love in the midst of hatred. To be health and healing where there's sickness. To be your provision where there's hunger and thirst. Lead our steps, our feet. Use our hands. Speak through us now. We give you thanks and we give you praise as we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Don't you love all the dads here today? Give me my Elliot. Go get me one of those real quick. So, Dad, I got a gift for all of you. It's a stress ball. I don't know if you ever get stressed out or not, but it's in the shape of a basketball, and it's got our logo on it. I think you'll like that. Let, let Karen and I get back to the back. So good to have everybody here. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dave, where are you at? I want you to come close out our service. And, Dad, have a great day. Have an awesome, awesome day. Enjoy your family. God bless, folks. I'll, I'll let you know this now. Karen and I and the kids are going to be away for just a few days. And so you won't see us on next Sunday. We're taking some vacation time. But I tell you that because I like how you pray and I need your prayers. So please cover us in prayer and pray for God's refreshing and, and God's blessing. Amen. All right, let's pray. Holy God, we are so thankful for this great day that you have provided for us. God, we're thankful for the mercies and the grace. God, we're thankful for our fathers. And we honor them today. But ultimately, we honor you, Abba Father. We pray your blessings upon each and every one of us, God, as we go our way. And may we truly live out and get in the game this week. In Jesus' name, amen.